Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to apologize about the audio quality as I am currently recording from the front seat of my rental car. This podcast is brought to you by Racetech. Racetech engines and suspension. You cannot go wrong when you source out an authentic Racetech authorized dealer and authorized service center. They are amazing, whether you're getting your engine modified, worked on, suspension updated, or uh, just refreshed. Honestly, you as well as I know, the the suspension you're on right now, the oil in it, it's got too much time, the spring rate, probably not uh, tuned in to your, your weight and or speed, and you can do that with our friends over at Racetech. Uh, keep in mind that uh, I am at Gopher Dunes uh, Raceway right now, so you might hear a dirt bike uh, rolling past my car at some point here and there. But I uh, also wanted to let you guys know that when you use discount code BIGMX at checkout, you can save 10% off Luxon MX. All right, so let's jump straight into this thing. Uh, this is a very important podcast. I wanted to do it last night, but I was packing for this trip. And uh, this has been a pretty long uh, travel day. I've been here for about three hours. Uh, but uh, uh, for those who are, if you're in Canada and you're thinking about using flare as a uh, mode of transport, I I would suggest against it. All right, so um, let's talk about um, the, the race that happened. Denver Supercross. First and foremost, we have to talk about uh, the, the LCQ challenge, uh, the privateer challenge, uh, hats off to Josh Cartwright for getting that job done. Uh, I donated a hundred dollars of my hard earned money to the air wheelie, which, uh, Mason Kerr took home. Uh, he put it closer to 12 o'clock than anybody could, uh, and rode away from it. And, uh, hats off to checkers at race tech for putting that together. Uh, looking forward to doing a live show with him. On Thursday, um, I don't know if we'll be able to make that happen, but we're driving to try and uh, connect that. So, um, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, the LCQ race, like hats off to Steve and everyone who makes that happen. Uh, it is so cool to see those guys uh, do some really, really special things for the privateers who work so hard and, and don't get nearly enough thanks or reimbursement for the work that they do. So let's get straight into the 450 class. Uh, we'll talk about the 250 class in a little bit, but uh, the first on the docket is Eli Tomac's ruptured Achilles tendon. Uh, now, of course, they didn't have the live feed or they didn't have the camera on Eli at the moment that this happened. We had to wait for a, a replay. When they first caught up with Eli, he was at the end of the straightaway in which he got hurt Um and it was a surprise to everybody. Of course, both Lee Diffie and Ricky Carmichael, they're watching monitors. They're not paying attention to, they're not watching from the stands or they're not watching from the press box. Um, so they're basically at the mercy of what they can see. The next thing they see is an Eli Tomac at rolling pace, the the pace that you and I would, would uh, navigate a supercross track at, uh, going around a 90 degree corner. Uh, which leaves the question, like, did he go down? Uh, will he get back up to speed? What happens to the championship now? And with the points lead that he had, right off the hop, you're thinking, okay, like, it's bad, but it's not going to be too bad because he has to do quite badly in this race in order to lose uh, the championship or even uh, get anywhere close to the, making this, like, a really legit championship fight in the last round. Um, and then when you see... 
like the the first shots of Eli not being able to put his foot down onto the peg, that to me was a telltale sign that it had to be something along the lines of like even if he had an ankle injury, he would have at least been able to like rest his foot there. Um, everything that I've ever heard about an Achilles injury is that it basically feels like the back of your leg is on fire. It, it, you, you don't want to touch it on anything. It's, it's just, it's constant pain and it's searing pain. Um, and, and that's what, why when I tweeted mid race that I thought that it was an Achilles injury is like the couple of times that I've seen it live in person and the times that I've heard about it in sports medicine is that when you have a, uh, an Achilles injury, you basically feel like you've like stepped on a nail or uh, something like you've, you've stubbed your foot or something. You get that knee jerk reaction that like something is wrong immediately. And that's exactly what you saw from Eli uh, as he came up a little bit short and it wasn't much, but it was just enough. And the reality is, is that this is something that can happen basically any race, any time. Uh, racers put a ton of tension on their Achilles tendon Every single time they ride, they ride. If you ride properly, you ride on the balls of your feet. Um, and any basketball player, any volleyball player, any honestly, any football player can tell you that that's an injury and that's something that is extremely debilitating because um, basically, every, like the what's what's happening with the Achilles is called plantar flexion, and that's basically your foot planting into the ground and pushing away, which means when you uh, when you you're stopping your 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 ankle from basically just collapsing up forward so you have your plantar flexion or you're having your, your your toes up towards your shin that is when the um like your your ankle is as far up as it can possibly be um and and honestly it's it's something that it's it obviously it's an uncommon injury in motocross but it's it's a situation that you basically put yourself in every time that you come up a little short or even if you downside a jump, like you're, you're going to put yourself, uh, put a lot of tension on that ligament and, uh, motocross boots help with that a little bit, obviously having ankle support there. Um, but unfortunately there really isn't anything else you can really do to, uh, to alleviate that. Like even an ankle brace isn't really going to do much in the fact that it's, it's that, that stretching of the back of the calf that really does it. And like, you guys have probably seen like, the, the amount that Eli Tomac's calf got, got stretched there is, was not over and above something that you've seen, like with like, whether it be like a freestyle guy who comes up short on something or goes long. Um, like we've seen like pictures and video of the past where, where guys ankles, they bend quite a bit or they, they, uh, they collapse quite a bit on impact. Um, possibly some of this could, could be to the fact that Eli is not the youngest guy in the world, maybe not the most mobile guy in the world. Um, at 30 years old, 31 years old, but honestly, at the, the physical specimen that Eli Tomac is, I really try to even discount that because he's, he's always been in top physical condition. And, um, the reality is this stuff just happens. Like you can want, there are tons of video online of, of football players, basketball players, they, they tear their Achilles on something that's very, very minor. Because what happens is you basically have tension that builds up and wear and tear that builds up in that, that tendon that over time, it, it can be something big or it can be something small. And this thing just lets go. And like that's basically like plantar flexion and, and the, the, the mechanism or the, uh, what, what 
the the function of the Achilles tendon is to make sure that you can you can basically stand on your two feet. Uh, that's what stops your your lower leg from basically having any strength whatsoever uh, of your ankle. Obviously, you can you could be able to stand on uh, your calf muscles. Um, the calf muscles insert on that uh, Achilles tendon. Um, as well as they insert on the, the, the different uh, muscles in, in the foot, as well as the, as well as the knee joint. And it's, uh, this, this is something that it's not going to be easy as a recovery. Uh, I saw Kellen Brower, uh, quickly Googled recovery for, uh, for an Achilles tendon. And he said, uh, four to six months before resuming like regular activity. Well, regular activity, when you Google something like that, when you're as lazy of a research as that, and of course he wanted to be like, it was probably, it was better to be fast than be right in that particular moment. But when you're Googling that, like Google is spitting out what you'd expect, uh, just your average Joe who tears their Achilles to get back to like walking their dog or doing some mild activity, like being able to go to the gym and go for a walk. That three to three or four, four to six months time period um, does not forecast be, uh, going back to being um, one of the most dominant and successful and um, and f- the fastest motocross racers on the face of the earth. Um, I don't think Google has a lot of uh, info on that, honestly. Um, but when it comes to athletes, if if I have if I've ever known anything about uh, the way this this injury goes. Is it's it's minimum six months. He is not back to riding at full capacity for another six months minimum. If it is a full rupture of the Achilles, if it's a partial rupture, perhaps that's a different timeline. But if it's a full rupture, we're talking six months of very intense physical training, athletic train, athletic therapy, getting movement back into that thing after he's had surgery. If he like he's in fact going to need surgery. Uh, it's not a, a, a ligament that can be fixed on its own. It's not like an MCL where you keep your knee at 30 degrees for, for three weeks and you can get back to normal. This is not that injury. This requires surgery and he will not get back to, uh, in my opinion, he will not get back to full capacity until six months from now. So right now we are at the beginning of May. So if you gave him May, June, July, August, September, October, that's six months, he would just be getting back to regular activity and training and being able to ride his motorcycle right in around the time that the SMX races start. That completely rules him out for uh, more across destinations. That completely rules him out for even really competing in a serious level for the SMX championship. Um, and I, I'm not trying to be a downer here. I'm just trying to explain to you guys the, the reality of this injury. Of course, medical marvels happened. Um, Adrian Peterson came back uh, less than, I think it was seven months after an ACL reconstruction and went ahead and ran for 2,000 yards in the NFL. It can happen. But I'll like that is, a, that is an outlier in many, many other situations where ligament damage results in six to eight months of extreme amounts of athletic therapy and, and remobilization. And the real problem with the Achilles injury is that you're going to have a lack of mobility when you get back to, uh, to, to, to working out and back to doing what you love to do, as well as there is a extremely high rate of re-injury with, with an Achilles injury. 
when you have a nucleus tear, um, typically, uh, not that it's like basically like a, a foregone conclusion that it's going to happen, but there, there is quite a high likeliness for re-injury in a situation like that, which is a bummer, but that's just the way it goes. So when it comes to Eli Tomac, um, does he come back? Was that the last time that we saw Eli Tomac race a Supercross? I have to say, maybe. I don't know for sure. Uh, there are a number of contributing factors that would allow him to come back at some capacity and still be able to race his motorcycle and be quite, quite proficient at it. Obviously, if, if his aim is to come back for Anaheim 1, he absolutely has that amount of time. Um, he can get back to a full bill of health uh, and be as dominant, as fit, and all that fun stuff as he was rolling into the season uh, if he's able to give a full prep, uh, full recovery, and uh, roll into next season nice and healthy. Uh, that being said, there's a lot of reasons why Eli Tomac would probably choose not to do that. Uh, Eli Tomac is likely a ch- is uh, is a millionaire twenty times over, if not more. And uh, and Eli Tomac has won everything there is to win in the sport of motocross. He has won the motocross his nations on a four fifty. He's won outdoor championships on a four fifty. He's a two fifty outdoor champion, and he is a sup- uh, he's obviously a supercross champion on a two fifty and a four fifty. There, the, the, the reasons why Eli Tomic would come back, to, in my opinion, are obviously that he doesn't want to go out like that. Um, like uh, a wounded champion who, with uh, a number one on his bike, about to wrap up a championship, uh, rolls off uh, in a lot of pain and, and probably a lot of distress to get, get to the, medical, uh, the Al- Alpine Stars medical unit as quickly as possible. Uh, no curtain call, uh, aside from, of course, if they honor him at some point, um, and, and all that fun stuff. Like, he, and, and for all intents and purposes, this championship was his. Um, he needed to have two somewhat respectable finishes over the next two rounds in order to, to wrap up that championship. And that's not going to happen. And we'll get to that in a minute here. Um, so those, and, and the, uh, the other reason why he'd want to come back. Obviously, there's talk about Chase Sexton signing a deal to race for Red Bull KTM. Uh, The KTM group is yet to really figure out that bike in Supercross. Uh, They've proven it to be a winner outdoors, um, but they have not proven it to be a winner uh, in Supercross as often as you'd probably think they would be able to. Uh, It seems to have some problems in the whoops a little bit. When guys like Christian Craig and Malcolm Stewart have problems in the whoops on a KTM bike, backed motorcycle uh like the Husqvarna uh you raise some questions and that's just the way it is um I think they can totally get that bike tuned in for 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 Chase reality is he's been on Hondas ever since he turned pro and getting used to a new motorcycle is real um so if Eli thinks that that might take Chase a little while to get used to maybe he comes back because he thinks he's going to be more competitive against Chase uh, same goes for his other two combatants, of course, Jet Lawrence being a full-blown rookie in the 450 class next year. And of course, there's some people who out there who think that uh, Jet's going to get on a 450 and just start knocking down championships and wins like it's going out of style. And you know what? That might happen. But we haven't seen that yet. So until it does, I, the, the jury is still out on whether or not Jet Lawrence is going to be a generational talent in the 450 class, knocking down wins at will and championships on a perennial basis. Um... 
I, I, I'm of the mind is that he's going to be a rookie as much as anyone's ever been a rookie. Uh, still have some success. I see him having a good rookie campaign similar to an uh, Ryan Villapoto who ended up getting some wins at the tail end of his Supercross, his, his rookie 450 Supercross season. And I think that'd be a great year for Jet. Uh, for those who are thinking that he's going to come in there and, and just win basically whenever he wants. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Could it happen? Absolutely, it's happened. Uh, Ryan Dungey won in his rookie year. Same thing with uh, um, Jeremy McGrath. But even the great Ricky Carmichael took two full seasons in Supercross before he was knocking down wins uh, in the fashion that he did in 2001. So if he thinks, and, and same thing for Cooper Webb, Cooper Webb is more than likely going to be signing with uh, Star Racing Yamaha. Um, so Cooper will be on a brand new bike. Chase will be a brand new bike. And as far as being on a 450, Jet will also be on a brand new bike. Um, so rolling into next year, Tomac will be the only of the, the race winners this year, uh, except for, of course, Kenny, uh, Ken Roxon, who uh, will be on his, he just signed a three-year deal with um, the uh, Pipes Motorsports Group, um, PMG, uh, Suzuki. So he'll be on Suzuki's for next year. Although th- that, uh, he might, he might not. They might not still be on Suzuki's because that that team is not necessarily tied to one manufacturer and one manufacturer forever. They could ride basically anything. They're similar to a uh, JGR uh, Suzuki slash Yamaha over the years. Um, so yeah, who knows? But anyway. Uh, if, if Eli comes back, uh, it's because he didn't want to go out that way. And he legitimately thinks that he can, can win races against a Chase Sexton who'll be on a new bike, a Cooper Webb that'll be on a new bike and, uh, and a rookie Jet Lawrence, as well as, uh, uh, Adam Seenstrill and the rest of the, uh, top performing, uh, 450 su- superstars. Let's get to the championship winner and he's going to win the championship. Anybody who has any doubts about that is foolhardy because the only two guys who are not mathematically eliminated from this championship, actually the only guy who is not mathematically eliminated from the championship right now is is Eli Tomac, and he is for sure not racing this weekend, which means the only other rider that will be in the championship who um, who's anywhere close to Jet or to, to Chase Sexton is Ken Roxon, and at this time, he is mathematically eliminated from the Supercross title uh, contention. So this championship is going to be handed to Chase Sexton, and good for him. If he wins this weekend, he'll have six wins to Eli's seven, and uh, he'll have accomplished something that very few motocross racers get to say they get to do. He'll have won a 450 Supercross championship, and he'll have earned it. He'll have deserved to win it, and and, uh, and he deserves to win it because he gained the most amount of points over the 17 rounds uh, and was able to uh, to stay healthy. Um, through all of his crashes, late in races, uh, through all of his um, like different situations he dealt with throughout the year, um, one thing is for certain is that Chase Sexton has been the fastest guy all year long. Um He's made some mistakes, absolutely, but he's he's thrown away. He probably, if he doesn't throw away those wins, uh, we're talking about a guy who wins 11 races this year and runs away with the championship, uh, no questions asked. So, um, like, I have no problem calling Chase Sexton the champion uh, for this, this season. Uh, some people will say there's a bit of an asterisk on there. Some people will say that it's tainted. And honestly, it is tainted a little bit, uh, given the fact that, like, this is a championship that was Eli's for the uh, for the taking, um, if not for a very catastrophic freak injury that was very unpredictable, Eli Tomac would have been your champion. But 
that's racing. It happens. It also, like, it could have been something mechanical that held him out of the race uh, that would leave him seven points down, which even if he had had to race next week, or he was able to race next weekend, making up seven points on Chase in one weekend is pretty unrealistic. Um, So, yeah, good on Chase for sticking through it all year long, being there, being, like, winning races. Uh, Six race wins is nothing to sneeze at. That's going to be, uh, that's a, that's a great season. I think that like, that might've like, I don't think that, uh, Ryan Dungey had more than, uh, maybe eight wins during a season or even seven or eight, six, six or seven wins in one particular season. Uh, and that guy was an absolute legend by the time his career was done. So, uh, good on chase. He's going to win that championship and Honda, We'll have a 450 championship in the United States for the first time since the outdoor championship in 2004 when Ricky Carmichael rolled off the off the Glen Helen with a perfect season. They have not won a 450 championship in the United States in motocross or supercross since then, and that ends next weekend in uh, Salt Lake City. So good for those guys. Good for Lars Lindstrom uh, and and uh, Brandon Zimmerman and everybody who works so hard. Jordan Troxel and the the the. The entire team, everybody who works for that team has worked so hard and they've made so many strides uh, and those guys deserve a championship. And honestly, so do the star racing guys. I feel bad for uh, um, all of the star racing guys, the the mechanics, everything, uh, that they're not going to win this championship this year. Uh, they were also deserving of it. Um, but it's it's just that that's what happens in racing sometimes. Guys go down and it, uh, it doesn't work out, so... Uh, hats off to uh, the Honda boys. They've earned it. They're gonna. Uh, they'll. They will sweep all three championships in Supercross, which hasn't happened since 2007, when it was uh, James Stewart as well as Ryan Villapoto and Ben Towley. And then the only other time that it happened prior to that was when Honda, with the Team Peak uh, Honda team of Brian Swink and Jeremy McGrath on the 125s on. Uh, the East and West Coast, respectively, and then of course you had uh, Jean Michel Bale, who won the four, the the two fifty or what at that time was the four fifty championship in Supercross that year. Uh, I was mistaken on my tweet. I actually saw it said that they also won in nineteen ninety two, but I forgot that Brian Swink uh, jumped ship from uh, the Piconda team to ride for Factory Suzuki that year, and he was able to back up his championship and run the number one for Suzuki that year, and uh, before moving up to the two fifty class aboard a uh, ill-handling RM250, and that was actually a huge mistake in his career. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Jeremy McGrath goes on to win seven Supercross championships and uh, 72 wins. And I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, Brian Swink did not end up winning a uh, Supercross. So in the in the, uh, in the 250 class, or uh, the, what would be considered to be, I guess, the 450 class, or the premier class, uh, 250 or 450 class. So, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of uh, knowledge for you guys. Let's talk about some other things that happened this last weekend. Ken Roxon goes from dead last to second place uh, en route to a, uh, another podium for the year. Uh, he's had uh, a ton of great finishes this year. Uh, he's had a lot better year than most people thought he was going to have. Um, some people said he wasn't going to get a top five. Some people said he wasn't going to get a podium. He's got, uh, he's got a win, multiple podiums, and uh, good for Kenny. Uh, Adam Cincerullo back on the podium since uh, since Houston 2021. He was emotional on the uh, on this uh, the broadcast and good for him honestly. I think Adam um, 
has dealt with so much more than people ever realize when it comes to at like when it comes to his the expectations that have put been put on him, whether it was Pro Series Kawasaki, uh, the the rookie expectations for those who forget he won his first three two fifty Supercross races before dislocating his shoulder in Toronto, two thousand and fourteen I believe, um, and and it's it's just been a myriad of injuries ever since whether it's shoulders or knees or this or that. Uh, collarbones, and then an arm injury that's just been persistent for the last almost three or four years now. Adam Cienciarolo, um, when he came out of amateurs, he was the golden boy. He was um, he was Kawasaki's next ace in the hole that was going to basically take the torch from Ryan Villopoto and run with it. Like uh, His full first full year in Supercross was 2014. Villopoto's last full year in Supercross was 2014. Um... Like that was the, he was the heir apparent and was just going to move on and be able to win races and win championships for Kawasaki. And yes, he did get an outdoor championship. Wasn't able to get it done in Supercross. Uh, of course, uh, he, he ended up going down in Vegas uh, and relinquishing that title to um, Ferrandis back in 2019. But it's it hasn't gone well in, in a lot of ways for Adam. And there's so much pressure that goes on there. And so much, like when you're growing up, you got to think like when, when Adam was 12, 13, 14, 15, uh, 16, like you got everyone around you saying that you're going to be the next guy. And it's it's impossible not to like kind of read your own press clippings and, and kind of dream about what might life might be like if everything turns out the way everyone says it's going to turn out. And... It has not. It, it like you can't say that it, it's turned out that way for uh, for Adam and um yeah he's he's won the Monster Energy Cup. He's won 250 Supercrosses. He's podiumed uh, Supercrosses. In fact, I think his first ever Supercross uh, on, on a 450 he ended up getting second or third behind uh, I think that was um, Barsha who won the Anaheim one. But he did lead a lot of that first race uh, when he was number nine uh, that first year. But uh, yeah, like, I don't, I don't fault him for getting emotional whatsoever, and good for him for showing the emotion and having the emotional, uh, the emotional maturity to be able to be present in that moment and understand that that is a really big thing to uh, to have happen and to get back. And it's been a long road to hoe to get back to where he's at. So hats off to Adam; uh, he's earned it and uh, and he deserves it. Top five finishes from Justin Hill. Probably never would have guessed him to get a, a top ten finish after uh, the situation with last year, the PR, the Partzilla PRMX team, and then racing basically a privateer KTM this year. Wouldn't have picked him for a top four. Uh, Shane McElrath, he was out front early. Uh, he had a great start and uh, good for see him get. It. I believe if not, I think that's a career best first top five. Um, Dean Wilson with a sixth. Um, I think that, that's a, for sure a season's best. Uh, same thing goes for uh, Chisholm, Hill, uh, Grant Harlan, who had a dislocated shoulder a week prior. And as someone who's had a dislocated shoulder, I can tell you that I would not be racing Supercross a week after popping my shoulder out. So uh, Ironman award goes to uh, Grant Harlan. Um, a 10th place finish, a top 10 for Justin Starling out of Florida. Honestly, he's out of Deland, Florida, and that guy just takes a licking and keeps on ticking. I have all, all the respect in the world for for Justin Starling. And same thing for uh, Anthony Rodriguez. Uh, he's been on a very tumultuous um, 
MCR team this year. It seems like they've got a lot of weird things going on with how the team's being run and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and just seems like Mike Genova might, I don't know if he's like kind of out of it or just doesn't have the same passion he had uh, from years ago, but something seems to be a little bit off with that team and I can't really put my finger on it. Uh, I know Mitchell Oldenburg was disappointed about not being able to go to uh, the New York round because he was, he was good in the points and he'd been having a good season. They just, they just didn't see the value in going out there. So they didn't, he loses like a good amount of uh, championship points that weekend. Um, So that's a bummer for him. Uh, I don't know if he'll be back there the next year. Uh, career best for uh, Josh Cartwright. He had a, himself a hell of a weekend. Should probably call that guy up soon. Uh, same thing for Cade Clayson. A uh, bunch of Kawasaki's in the back uh, back half of this champion uh, this this uh, uh, this leaderboard, including guys like uh, Tristan Lane and uh, Logan Carnow. Uh, really bummed to see Colt Nichols go down. Uh, he's had a really tough go. Uh, for 450 rookie season. He was my pick for 450 rookie of the year. He might still be. I don't know who would beat him. Uh, like, honestly, you could make an argument that just uh, Justin Cooper was a better 450 rookie in his limited amount of time than he raced. Um, but yeah, Colt goes down, doesn't finish the race. Um, and, and so far he's sitting 12th in points. Um, there's no one else that is a rookie that's anywhere close to him. Actually, wait. Uh, is he behind Christian Craig in total points? He is. And it's, is it not close? Okay. Christian Craig is 11th, has 41 points. Uh, Colt Nichols needs to score a minimum four points this weekend in Salt Lake to finish higher in points than Christian Craig. And like, they don't have, they have a, honestly, like it's a similar amount of starts because Colt was out for so long, but. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to think um, how this is all unfolded. Um, just like looking at the leaderboard of who who wasn't there, who 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 signed up for for the first round. Let me just quickly. I have, yeah, I have some LTE here. Um, like to look at who was on the line at uh, Anaheim one versus who's racing now. Like we have lost so many racers. We've lost uh, Malcolm Stewart. We've lost Christian Craig. We've lost, uh, well, I guess we didn't lose Joey Savacci due to injury, but we lost Joey Savacci. We lost uh, Jason Anderson. We watched. We, we lost Cooper Webb. We, watched, we lost Aaron, Aaron Plessinger, although Plessinger might be back this weekend. We lost Marvin Muskan. We, we lost uh, Cooper Webb. We lost Eli Tomac. Uh, for a certain portion of the year, we lost Adam Cianciarulo. Um, we lost, uh, Colt was out for a little bit. Colt Nichols was out for a little bit. Um, like the list of honestly of guys who like, there's a shorter list of guys who haven't gotten hurt. That honestly is just, uh, like we lost Barsha. Like, Oh, it's, it's so discouraging to to see the list of guys who have been hurt. We've lost Benny Bloss. Uh, Harlan got hurt, but he came back. Uh, the only guys who've raced all the races so far, Chase Sexton and and Ken Roxon. Ken's currently sitting fourth in points, and if all goes well, uh, which I imagine it will, uh, this weekend, he will pass. He's not going to pass um, Tomac, but he's going to get third in the points. 
Uh, he's going to pass Webb, so he's going to get third in points. So uh, that's pretty wild um, of a championship. Like we can get into that a little bit more when we kind of get a, a little bit of a, a season to look back of all things that have gone on. But let's switch things over to the the 250s, where I think this is something that sort of fell off, that, like people didn't notice. If I'm not mistaken, and I don't think he won a, a race straight up this year because all the other races were won by Jet. R.J. Hampshire, I think that was his very first full Supercross, like an actual like 15 minute plus two lap main event, um, or 15 plus a lap main event win. Like he won a race last year, but it was a triple crown, which uh, not to discount the win of a triple crown, but he just went out and won that race. And he was the fastest guy. He hunted down Washougal's own Levi Kitchen, not once, but twice. Uh, it was extremely uh, impressive to see him uh, do uh, do what he did. And this is not the first time we've seen Jet sort of in a, a championship mode. Um, I wouldn't say ride around, but maybe just ride a little bit cautious, a little bit apprehensive. Uh, he doesn't like. I would have. I would have hoped that he'd go out and just win that race so that he would be uh, one ahead of his brother in in total wins. But now they roll into Salt Lake, which is a, a shootout. Uh, the 250 shootout tied for total wins on their 250 career. Uh, will one of them win? Will they both like, will, will like, will one of them win and not the other? Will both of them lose? Who knows? Uh, shootouts always seem to turn out to have like really weird winners. Um, shout out to Enzo Lopes for winning his, uh, his first, uh, heat race. That was awesome to see. Uh, he gets better every single year. It looks like he's going to have a better ride next year. Uh, rounding out the top five was, uh, MCR Honda's Mitchell Oldenburg. Mitchell gets older and he just keeps going fast on a 250F. That never gets old. Um, Voland, uh, looked good earlier in the race, but ended up going down, not being as successful as he probably would have liked to be. Um, and then I think Luke Kalatsian puts it in the main for the very first time. Good for him. Uh, Max Miller, who's honestly, he's had a hard time making these main events, gets a 14th, which is awesome for him. Uh, was really encouraged to see uh, Cole Thompson from Canada, who's actually from, he's from uh, Ontario, the, the, the province I'm in right now. Uh, he ends up with a, with a top 10 finish. Good for him. Just behind Carson Mumford, who uh, probably his, uh, I don't know if he's going to raise outdoors for, for Mitch, but uh, yeah, like, leaving a little bit uh, to be desired, uh, honestly. And I think, like, for, for good reason. He came in injured. Uh, things have not gone perfect for him uh, this year uh, for for Carson Mumford. But, uh, um, yeah, an eight, eighth is not where he wants to be. He wants to be ahead of Oldenburg. He wants to be ahead of Voland. He wants to be ahead of Kelly. Honestly, he wants to be ahead of Lopes. Uh, but it, it just wasn't in the cards for him this year. But uh, Jet's gonna, Jet wraps up your championship. Uh, this, it would have to be the first time where brothers have won championships in the same year, uh, in the 250 class. That's never happened before. Uh, Honda sweeps both, both championships, like we talked about earlier, and they're going to get the 450 championship too. So that's the podcast guys. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to upload this shortly. I'm going to get into the Gopher Dunes shop here and see if they have some Wi-Fi so that I can upload it. I've also got some typing to do for Burb. Uh, so we'll get to do that and then uh, we'll get some dinner and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do this press conference tomorrow. So uh, thanks for listening guys. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, please support our sponsors, Guts Racing, WUSA, uh, Luxon MX. They make uh, great products, whether it's uh, the linkage products or their triple clamps. Get it today. Uh, get your bike handling better with Racetech. Get your, your engine running better with Racetech. 
uh, take care of those guys. Heartbeat Hot Sauce. Uh, I'm in the current province of Heartbeat Hot Sauce. Nowhere close to where they are, uh, mind you. But I'm actually I think I'm probably closer when I'm at home today than I am when I'm here. But either way, uh, check those guys out. They have great product. I'm running out of literally all their sauces right now because their product is so good. Um, Maple Ridge Motorsports. You don't have to live in Surrey, BC, or not uh, Mission, BC, rather. Uh, to shop from there. I'm sure you can call them up. Uh, their friendly staff, Sandra, Troy over there, they'll hook you up. They'll get you all settled uh, with the latest and greatest. So uh, get that all figured out. And uh, yeah, get yourself something from, uh, maybe buy yourself some uh, Fox Racing Canada product from uh, from Maple Ridge Motorsports. And you'll be getting two birds stoned when it comes to supporting Big MX Radio uh, uh, sponsors. Um Trying not to forget anybody else. John Anderson at WUSA. Uh, you can mention Big MX Radio and save some money there. Uh, SKDA Graphics. Those guys are hooking me up with a great uh, new set of graphics for my Kawasaki's as well as my very out-of-date KTM 252 stroke. Uh, getting that thing all freshened up. If you have some suggestions of what kind of look I should do with that bike, let me know because I'm always looking for ideas. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Take, take her easy. Um, we'll be back with you guys a little bit later on in the week and a full report from the J-Day event at uh, Unadilla. So we'll check that out this weekend with the guys from Verb. Big uh, Brad Gebhardt here from Big MX Radio. Thanks for listening. Take care.